Hello everyone, I'm Tim Coleman, and along with Tyler J. Thomas and Jeff Moss, we'll be the best pinups in the trade and in podcasting. It's 3 o'clock somewhere, and this is The Three Tumblers. We all do it. We know we all do it. Pretty much every day. We even talk about doing it with other people who do it too. Sometimes, we might even take pictures or videos while we do it and send them to our special friends. Sometimes it goes according to plan. Quick, cheap, and easy. But sometimes, when your customer is quick, cheap, and easy, it takes even longer to get the job done. Maybe their hardware is more like software. Or maybe they have a cheap knockoff. Of course I'm talking about pinning cylinders. Get your minds out of the gutter. You know, cheap cylinders can be the bane of your existence when you're out there trying to do a rekey. I had one yesterday. The uh, infamous Wasp Nest exit device had a cheap-ass rim cylinder on it, and it needed to be master keyed. Putting standard pins in there from the lab kit, they were too tall because the plug diameter was uh, smaller than standard. So when you have that, or when you have something that comes from Amazon, like an Amazon cylinder that you have to use best pins in, and it's a quick set keyway, that can be really kind of a pain in the ass, you know? You have to just make it work. But that's the beauty of locksmithing. We can look at something and say, okay, this is how we have to make this work. Jeff, when you get, uh, you mentioned the other day to us that sometimes y'all rekey those Amazon uh, cylinders that come in. Have you ever ran across one of the ones that you have to basically use uh, best pins in, or you have to drop like a cut and a half shallow or something like that? Well, not specifically, but some guy brought in some garbage UHS cylinders with like a knockoff KW1 keyway, and a key blank wouldn't even fit in there, and he wanted a... you know, rekeyed and master keyed, and we're just like, we don't have a blank that fits in it. So the pin part didn't even factor into it. So yeah, I mean, we typically don't work, Try if it's that cheap that a KW1 doesn't fit in it, we're not even going to bother with it. <laughs> I'm at the point where if it's in one of those Amazon levers, like I had a guy the other week, he had remodeled a house that he bought. Uh, I rekeyed it initially when he first bought it, um, which is smart. Anybody should do that. And then he went and bought new hardware, but he bought it all from Amazon. And I took it off the door because I couldn't find the little, uh, you know, lever retainer. Uh, there wasn't a hole for a lever retainer. Took it off the door and there's no way to get it apart. And I put it back on the door and I told the guy, I said, can't rekey these. Uh, I mean, you could have taken it apart with a pair of snap ring pliers and, you know, taking every component off of there, then maybe, you know, getting to the cylinder, but I wasn't going to do that. And if he had insisted on it, I would have charged him something like, you know, I don't know, 50, 60 bucks a cylinder to rekey. Tyler, what about you? Have you ever uh, had any oddball or cheap hardware that just didn't want to pin up to spec? I don't know who makes it, but there's that profile cylinder that at the top, it's got that plastic cap that fits into place. CES. That ha- yeah, that you have to like pry out and you're going to break it every time. 
And then on top of that, the, what is it? The depths are off one. Mm-hmm. So so if yeah. it's a, if it's a four, you got to pin it to a five or a three. I can't remember how. It, yeah, but th- that comes to mind really. I had a customer, then she has a rather large you know house with barns and other buildings, and had a few of those cylinders, and she wanted a master key system for the whole place. That was a that was a bitch to try to figure that out. Especially because I hadn't pinned those up before, so really. Well, another one I've had to rekey some of the uh, smaller patio or storm door cylinders, and uh, I've used the pin kit from Master Padlock. It works. It's not the best, but yeah, I I haven't used I haven't had to use like the Master Lock uh, kit, but like I said, uh, did have a woman bring a an Amazon knob or something into the shop, and I was able to get it apart, but the pin diameter was actually a two, uh, the same diameter for an a two pin. And so trying to figure out quick set depths with a two pins out of the best kit was kind of, uh, kind of fun. I, I, when I handed it back to her, I said, look, I said, if you ever need this rekeyed, you just buy new hardware. I'm not doing this again. And she understood. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, there's uh, some stuff that I like, Pinning up my own, like a, a key mark cylinder. I don't have the kit for key mark full size, but I could use a Peaks bottom pin and a master pin and get it to the right height. You know, I wouldn't do that for a customer, but for a lock for myself, you know, if Tyler doesn't want to send me the pins, you got to make do. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can always locksmith something. Mm-hmm. It's like the uh, rim cylinders that I was talking about uh, from the other day. Since I had the pin kit right there uh, with me, I was. It wasn't that bad. I was able to, uh, you know, just kind of do trial and error. And I said, well, at the very least, I could maybe drop this down, put a, a master wafer in there, and then put my, you know, master pin in there for the master king. I didn't want to, and I didn't have to, thankfully. But, uh, but speaking of pulling the pin kit with me, let's kind of shift gears just a little bit. Uh, when you're out in the field. Pinning in the field versus uh, pinning in the shop. Obviously, in the shop, you've got everything that you need right there most of the time. You're air-conditioned because uh, it's hot as balls outside right now. So you're a lot more comfortable. I guess what my uh, what my question is, when you guys do field pinning, do you just take all the cylinders back to the truck? Or have you ever had like a little rolly cart that you put the pin kit on and take it door-to-door for like a larger job? Yeah, yeah, especially commercial where they don't care that you're going down a hallway, but I guess you couldn't pull it off in a house. I mean, you could if they're fine with it, but it kind of looked weird. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, obviously I, commercial, not not residential. Oh yeah, almost every time. Then we'll take a cart. Um, yeah, we'll we'll do it and you know go door to door. I've even had it where it was all small format, so we're having to cap on a actual rolling cart, which is kind of loud as well, but. But uh, yeah, that that that's the only time I've ever dropped a pinning kit. I've actually done it twice that way, pinning on a cart, going door to door. Don't tell me that, because I always do that. Like not drop a pinning kit, but when I go door to door, I take the the whole cart with me. Jeff, what about you? I I know you're mostly in the shop, uh, but what about your experiences pinning out in the field? Don't have any. Okay. Well, no, Our you. Guy, I mean, you do. No, I don't. No. Yeah. I do all my pinning in the shop. You, when you rekeyed your neighbor's house, you used a trash can as a okay, work. Okay, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, that was not fun. Um, 
no, I mean, if our guys are doing a big job, they'll take a cart. I like the way Jason does it, where he takes them all back to his truck. But again, that's residential. You know, commercial, typically, we're either keying it ahead of time, and then they're just slapping new cores in or whatever, or they'll go door to door with it. You know, it, yeah, because you can do that, you know, unless it's like an occupied type of thing. Right. And, and even then, I still do. So, yeah, I guess the moral of the story is that, uh, you guys get to, Stay in the air conditioning most of the time. And I'm the Dude, one hauling Tyler's, stuff. Tyler's shop is so clean. You know, you can eat off of the pin kits. I thought those were donut sprinkles when I was there. He's got air conditioning, TV, beer. Sign me up. Doesn't doesn't have to deal with customers walking in. <laughs> Running water, toilet. And if he does spill a pin, you know, if he drops a pin on the ground, he doesn't even sort it back into the, the kit. No, and and we can tell too because we have central vac. When the lady comes once a week to clean it, she gets in that pinning kit. And sometimes it sounds like static, it's like shh, all the. Does pins. she at least scrap the ones that get vacuumed up, or you just throw it away? No, it goes into a canister. Uh, yeah, I we have found out though if you vacuum too many at once, what it'll do is it'll uh, accumulate in the collector, uh, where it you know meets the hose outlet in the wall. Yeah. You go to open it up, you pull it out, and just thousands of pins will fall down. Well, that happened at the hardware store. I was cleaning their key machine. They have a little vacuum that was built into the machine. And I took the thing out, and all the brass was just sitting on the plastic, like, hopper where the uh, filter goes. It was just a pound of brass inside the vacuum. You'll have that on these big jobs. Will that Schlage pin fit an old Ford ignition? Probably not, but I don't know since the only ignition I touch is my own. Lovely Jeff Moss does, though, so he can say if you need specialty kits or just a plain generic automotive kit. If you think there are only a couple differences between your lab kit and my ancient Ford kit, you might be right. And if you agree with that statement, then you'll know that Tim wrote this and he really doesn't know jack about automotive locksmithing. The truth is, sometimes you need to use a special kit, special knowledge, or both to work in a particular lock. But even if you have the right kit, there are a lot of nuances to pinning automotive and specialty cylinders. Number one, almost every automotive is a wafer tumbler. There's very few pin tumblers in modern automotive stuff. So that's one thing. Number two, there's no universal kit. There are There is multiple kits per brand, per different model, per different year. And a lot of that is because of manufacturing changes. Um, Stratec does OEM a lot of stuff, but they didn't make all of the things. So like certain models of GM have an ignition that's made by somebody else and they only have an aftermarket pin kit from someone like ASP. Uh, Stratec being the OEM, ASP being more of aftermarket. Um, There are different changes and additions that come out, you know, every few years. Like there's a, there was a kit for Hyundai and Kia, but then one year they changed it to a high security ignition. So you can buy, you know, five different wafers to do, a specific model. So there's a lot. I mean, most of our pin kit area is automotive because there's so many different kits. You know, the closest thing I've ever seen to anything being universal was that there was a combination uh, kit that had Chrysler, 
wafers, GM six cut sidebar wafers, and then four pin tumblers all in the same kit. But that wouldn't work for anything current. And then, you know, you can't really, it, it, in automotive stuff, you can't go up or down five thousands. You know, sometimes you may have to file a wafer, you know, there's a lot less wiggle room. You know, because they're only made in this, the pins are only, or wafers are really only made in the specific size for, you know, a two cut. You can't go to a two and a half or a 2.25, you know, without modifying the pin, which again, we don't recommend, but sometimes you have to do it. Well, I was going to ask real quick. I mean, I've seen it and, and heard of it being done, but in some ignitions or, uh, door locks or whatever sometimes you just have to pull one of those wafers out just to make the the key work or whatever if you have to rebuild the cylinder i cannot confirm or deny gotcha it's called positional master king look it up (laughs) so tyler in your in your younger days did you do any automotive tumbling i know you've got kits there left over from yeah i did a lot of uh ignitions motorcycles, Jeep, Chrysler, stuff like that, but it was all brand new. So, Mm. I mean, it was ideal circumstances. Most of what I did were impressioning or uh, way for sight reading to make keys. Uh, People went to pull apart or whatever to get a new uh, fork clock or whatever it was, and they would bring it in and we would sight read them or impression them. And that was my extent. Let me ask you a question. Say you Mm -hmm. had somebody bringing in an ignition cylinder and I've done this a lot on, on desk locks and cabinet locks. If you don't have mm-hmm. the kit to service it, but they want it rekeyed, will you just pull the, pull the tumblers and swap them around in positions? Yeah. I mean, we try to have all the kits we need. Yeah. If they're, if we're getting a request for one or two cars and we don't have it, we'll order the kit, you know, like with all the Hyundai and Kia thefts, we bought the kit and we've done probably half a dozen of those ignitions and that pays for the kit. Um, you know, if it's a cam lock or a one-off thing, we'll swap the wafers around. So one yeah, thing I will say though, we don't, we, it is nice. You know, we don't do the work, you know, with a commercial rekey, you're taking the lock apart, getting the cylinder out, doing all that stuff with the, the automotive work that we do. The customer has to bring the lock in, you still have to get the cylinder apart, but you're not, you're not taking it off the door or doing any of that, you know? So it's a little bit different in that respect that, you know, generally we have the cylinder ready to go. Although there is stuff like, you know, sidebar ignitions or sidebar door locks where you have to get them apart. So even if you have, you know, a lot of times they don't have the key, so it's more work, but the actual pinning of it isn't. And then as far as specialty cylinders go, again, there's, you know, some brands may look identical, but they do require uh, their own kit, you know, a Chicago versus an Illinois versus a, a Fort wafer lock. The keyway may all look pretty similar, but they have different depths and, and spacing. So you're going to add that there, there's more kits you need there. National lock has, you know, standard wafers. They have master wafers. They sometimes you might see both. So that's another two or three kits. And, you know, over time stuff, you end up with, you know, multiple kits and several different sizes. It just depends on what you're doing. If you're only doing residential basic locksmithing, you know, you really could get away with just a lab kit for a while. 
but with a shop, you know, you don't know what people are going to bring in. You want to be prepared. And, you know, there's so many different things that I might work on in a day. I might not use one of the specialty kits, you know, once a month, but when you need it, you're glad you have it. What do you guys say about cabinet? I didn't talk about tubular locks because I try not to have to tear those things apart. It, it's always a cluster. Uh, a new lock is not super expensive for most of those applications. So. Yeah, yeah, until until they want 20 of them, they say, oh, can you key them all alike? Well, suppliers can ha- acquiesce to those requests. That's what I tell customers. They uh, they come in, they want 20 or 30 cam locks and, and want them all keyed alike. And I say, okay, we can order it. Uh, yeah. But we don't rekey. Um, typically, we don't rekey a cam lock. Uh, we yeah. might do what Tyler said and rearrange the the wafers in there if it's you know if they've got like two and they just have one more that they want on the same key and we can make it work then you know we might make it work but typically we just sell them new stuff and when it comes to uh tubular uh jason's the only one who has repinned a, a ace you know tubular lock before in the shop since i've been there anyway yeah, it's uh, one of those things like somebody wanted a key switch and 100 keys tubular for a apartment. All right, we'll order you bags of 10 keys. It's not worth our time to cut them. We can get the locks keyed to that number when you need more because they wear out. You know, So it's not a huge deal. To try to tear something apart like that, it's not, it's not fun. Tyler's going to spill the pins on the difference between original and aftermarket kits... That is, if he doesn't spill his beer first. The brass standard of any North American locksmith pinning kit is the trusty lab color-coded pin kit, right? I mean, it can let you pin up pretty much any cylinder that is the right diameter. But if you really want perfection, or you're stuck in a rut with a one cylinder that will only turn one way with one special key after you pinned it, maybe you need to think about a factory original kit. Believe it or not, we use Lab uh, for Sergeant, Schlage, Corbin, Russwin, Yale. Got a bunch of different kits for Yale and Corbin, Russwin. Uh, and we use that even when pinning up OEM, factory cylinders, factory keys, all of that works just as well. little inside baseball. Lab actually makes pins for manufacturers. Uh, so they're the ones that, that kind of know it as is already. But certain things you're limited to, for example, high security platforms, you're going to have to buy a dedicated kit. A2, small format cores, you can, you can use, like for example, Peaks or X4, I could use a Lab A2 kit um, for the small format. Once you get into other other formats, you can't use it because they use different bottom pins. Um, Hager, the H-Series, you're going to have to need a, a dedicated kit, as far as I know. Uh, Lab doesn't make pins for that yet. You know, it's up to you. You could buy dedicated kits if you want. I think it's uh, a waste of money. I think ultimately the best thing to do, and I'll kind of talk about this in a bit, is that kind of grow as you need it. And the Lab... 3,000s kit or 5,000s kit. It's kind of the best way to start. It's how we all start pretty much. Uh, and then you can just kind of grow from there because it's like 15 or 20 out of the gate that are listed in those charts. Is that about right? And um, yeah, you can yeah, do like a, 10, 10 or 12. 
Yeah, you can do a lot of it out of the gate. Do y'all know the difference between three and five thousandths, by the way? Three thousandths lets you be within, what, like a half step of every cut? Yeah, within Something one, like that. one one thousandths of, of any cut. And then um, five thousandths puts you within two thousandths of a cut. Did you know that, Jeff? Probably. What I know, I, I've seen your shop a lot. Your pictures of your pinning kit, Jeff. It's infamous. Um, do you largely pin tumblers? Is that what you're working out of most of the time? That universal kit, the wooden one. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any sort of dedicated pit uh, kits for? Oh, tons of them. Yeah. But I, I mean, just standard pin tumbler stuff. Nothing fancy. Like. Yeah. We yeah. have a couple Schlage kits, a couple Sargent kits, Corbin peaks. Yeah. Anytime we do Sergeant IC, it's all out of the dedicated kit. Anytime we do Primus, it's using the nickel silver bottom pins. Uh, Corbin, unless it's the 15, you know, we do have some 15,000 systems out there so that the guys can use their 5,000 kits in the field. Um, but if it's a standard Corbin system 70 that comes in off the road, off the street or whatever, we're going to use a Corbin system 70 appropriate pin kit do you have that no. big black pinning kit from corbin russwin no we just have a couple shop made kits have you ever seen that before oh yeah where they've got like templates you lay across depending on what system and what yeah. class you're using and it locks off all the pins you would not be using yeah hmm. i don't know if it still comes with that but i've i've seen that it's a massive kit tim you ever seen that kit we i haven't that, mm. that does sound interesting though we we uh, try to do very little Corbin Russwin. There's actually not a lot around our area uh, it, other than institutional stuff and most of the institutional places that have it have their own you know, locksmiths on staff. I'll have to get a picture for you. We have a kit that Lab probably hasn't made in 30 years. They called it the Jumbo Kit. It's for it's, it's extra small and extra large top and bottom pins that would not normally be in the kit. So like for some of those goofy quick set style where you need like a hundred and forty thousandths bottom pin or mm -hmm. the super long ones you know the old bolt the build-up pins and stuff back at like from back in the yeah it's an old kit but it comes in handy i'll oh, get a wow. picture of that on on monday yes we can take a picture it. we can put it on the twitters we've got a few dedicated kits um you know obviously of course you're you know the best kits um you know for a2 the lab three thousandths is our standard. That's what's in the shop and in the trucks and everything, what we order. Um, but in typically speaking, Tyler, you were talking about Sergeant uh, using a lab kit for Sergeant. Uh, my coworker was spinning some cylinders for the customer uh, Sergeant original cylinders. And I got back to the shop and she was like, you're going to have to pin this one cylinder. She said, for whatever reason, it will only turn one direction. It will not turn you know, it'll only turn counterclockwise, not clockwise. It's a little, you know, kick cylinder. And, you know, I went through and I pinned it. And it was mastered. And she said, you know, if you pin it straight to the change key, it works fine. If you pin it straight to the master, it works fine. If you master key it like it's supposed to be, it only turns one way. And I actually went and I got the, the dedicated sergeant kit. And she's calling off the, you know, the pin sizes off the lab kit and I'm looking on the sergeant kit and I'm like, that's off by like, you know, two or three thousandths in some place or not three thousandths, but you know, it's off by, 
a little bit at least, pinned it up to that and it worked smooth as glass first try. So having that could maybe help you avoid some some headaches sometimes if you have that kit and even if you don't use it, you at least know that you have it and say, okay, let me try this. Well, I think Tyler was referring to using Sergeant OEM pins that are manufactured by lab, not using universal colored pins in Sergeant, correct? Kind of. We, we do both. Actually, now that I think about it, now that you say that, they do make Corbin Russwin pins, OEM pins yeah. that they sell. Uh, we use the hell out of those. Um, I think they are color coordinated as well. I can't. Yeah, they are. Uh, but they are marked that it's Corbin Russ and CR or no COR or RUS, depending on which yeah, one. But I think those are all just silver, nickel, silver, or brass. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And we've got a lot of dedicated kits too that are, you know, you, you guys have been to our shop. You've seen them. It's, you know, Corbin Russ, one Sergeant Schlage, whatever, but it's all lab pins from the universal kit. We just get as close as possible. With Schlage, it's not a problem because it's all five thousandths increments. You know, it's either zero or five, so you can hit on it with a three thousandths or a five thousandths. But the other ones, you know, Sergeant uh, and Corbin Russman can get a little hairy, but like I said, Lab makes it for them, so pretty easy. Speaking of, what happens when you get an opportunity to do a job and you don't have that pin kit? What would you do in that situation, Jeff? Well, depends on what it is. I might have the kit at home. <laughs> Let's say it's, uh, like I was talking about earlier, the Hager H series. Maybe somebody wants to bring you a contract or whatever, 25 of them. I mean, you're going you're gonna to build a kit? You're going to buy a dedicated kit? What are you going to do? I mean, if it was my money, I would buy the kit. But more than likely, we would just order the pins that we needed and make our own kit. Tim? We've got, like, you know, like I said, a bunch of pin kits that all kind of collect dust because we use the lab kit for the most part. Um, but I guess if I were in that situation where, you know, it, it was going to be worth it, uh, I would see us probably just ordering the kit instead of, uh, instead of trying to build it, um, just order a ready stocked kit and make sure that we charged accordingly, you know, factored that into our, you know, pricing on the job. So I started the process of converting all of the kits. And what I found is if you go to like uh, Dick's Sporting Goods or wherever else it sells fishing equipment, uh, tackle boxes, flat tray tackle boxes, Plano tackle boxes are perfectly set up for kits where some of them are as wide as uh, 18 inches, maybe 20 inches and probably a foot deep. And you can create your own slots. So number one, buying the pins themselves in these little $24 tackle boxes. It's going to be a lot cheaper than the OEM. And number two, because you can lay it out and design it, you can actually get larger spacing or containers. Basically, you can accommodate more pins than what the manufacturer is going to provide you with. You know, with like a lab, for example, what maybe you can put it in 100 pieces in each, each pocket before it maxes out. With these, with this Plano one, it's probably, you know, an inch by an inch by two inches or inch, 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 whatever it may be. And you can get four or five hundred in there and really load it up and not have to put excess inventory back on the shelf. Or, you know, it just you can really do a lot of work out of that kit before you're having to start refilling it. 
have 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 either of y'all done something like that? Yeah, I've I've built several big you know kits for different things of my own. Uh, I don't know if I can turn the camera, but I've got you know some of the older Ziploc kits that came in a smaller Plano box. I mean, I've got several kits that I made myself from boxes I got at the hardware store. You know, just depends on what it is. I don't I don't think we have um, aside from Medico. I don't believe we have any OEM kits left anymore because they've all been converted to those kits I've made with those Plano uh, tackle boxes. Um, well, even, Sar- really comes... even Sergeant Degree. What kind of came to mind when you started talking about Plano is if you buy the uh, Schlage modular cylinder kit, that comes in a cool little Plano box that has like three pull-out trays, and then in the top you can keep your cylinders, uh, you know, your your actual kick cylinders that you build the modular cylinder around. Uh, that's what we keep our Primus stuff in, except for the uh, Primus kits. Um, and really the Primus kits, we, and I meant to mention this somewhere earlier, but uh, the Primus kits, we just have the finger pin kits. We, because you can use regular lab pins in there, you know, for your top pins. Yeah, the beauty of, you know, building those kits, whether you're using it in-house or out on a job, for example, if we're pinning up sergeant degree in the shop normally, but there is a situation, an emergency where it has to be done on site that day, you just pull that one dedicated kit out of the tool chest, take it to the job, not inconveniencing anybody else in the shop. It's not like you're taking away a, a universal kit or whatever or a kit that serves multiple formats, keyways, classes, things like that. So, uh, like I said, cheaper, you can get a lot more out of them. And then you kind of, you know, like the Schlage modular, it's a modular approach to it where it's one kit per one format. Yeah. I mean, we have multiple kits, you know, we might have, we have two original peaks kits and then we have two that we made in the shop because we needed backups for in-shop and out-of-shop work. So, you know, it is kind of the same. And I and we've even gone beyond that where we've made kits for cams, like for Medico cams, for example, where we've got the probably top 20 most popular loaded up with 100 and 200 of each in this thing. So if we go out on a job, give me a good example, we went to do an, a build-out at a hospital earlier this week. Uh, Medico doesn't make cams for town steels arx or mrx mortise lock we thought we could pull it off with an older corbin russ when the z00 cam uh, turns out we couldn't we able to make it work with a z01 cam but we were prepped for that corbin russ one cam going out there 48 some odd mortise cylinders turns out they didn't work but fortunately we had that kit that cam kit where we had more than enough to swap the cams and then alter them so that they would work with these town steel so hmm. you can do the same with um, screws, tail pieces, like Tim said, parts for a modular, which I guess I'm going to have to build now because now it's just in a big old bin in the back where every possible piece is just thrown in there. It'd be nice to separate that. Well, yeah, I'll like I have the, ma- the major screw kit. I have, you know, they don't make these, the old, you know, Ziff or HPC used to make the cam screw kit two different tailpiece kits, all the different clips. We have, you know, I have one here. We have them at work. Uh, those things are great. And, you know, if you, you can usually find them on eBay fairly reasonably, those little, you know, with all the different screws and clips and stuff. 
Yeah, I've got several of those in the back of my truck. The uh, screw kit, the uh, cam kit. I've got um, I've got kits for the little metal plug-in hole fillers that you yeah. use. Um, you know, all different sizes. It's not really a pin kit, but you know, it's one of those trays, and you just put everything in there. But yeah, those kits are all very, very handy. A lot of times. Yeah, we have uh, springs and you know, retaining clips and all that kind of stuff too at work because when you need it, you need it. And I'll get a picture of my kits here that you can also put up or I'll tweet it out. We, uh, I think too, manufacturers used to sell like for deadbolts, mortise locks, whoever it may be. I think Quickset was one of them. They would make a kit of dedicated replacement parts, tailpieces, mm-hmm. screws, springs latches things like that i think we've got a few of the quick set in the back but yeah like kind of mirroring what we're all saying here beyond pin kits actual kits needed to supplement you know the reeking work can't have too many kits before we close out uh i've done it twice as i mentioned earlier have have either of y'all spilled a pin kit um i used to keep my little mini kit which was the first kit i ever got and actually, on the trip last year, when I came and saw you guys in Atlanta, uh, I went into the trunk of my car for something. And I normally had it like duct taped together to hold it shut because I'd never trusted that little clasp that was on there. And I went to get something out of my tool bag and I looked and it had clamshelled open just, just a hair. Oh. And I, I knew what had happened. I didn't let it ruin my vacation. And I didn't open it up until I got back like the next week. And it was, it was you know, the forbidden confetti. So I guess that technically counts. The closest I've did, I was working on something on the bench. And I had my Primus finger pin kit. And I picked up the plastic insert and then set it down. And I spilled a handful of Primus pins, which are not fun to decode, but. I was I was going out into the parking deck with one, a bench, a rolling bench, like we were talking about earlier, pinning on the bench as you go door to door, and I must have hit a divot or something. And this was like a like a display case, a jewelry case, plastic case almost. Um, not a dedic, not heavy duty like the planos that we use now, and it just went over the edge. And since it was that hard, brittle plastic, it just cracked, spilled, and pins went everywhere. And uh, yeah, that was. <laughs> It happened again with a, a similar kit. Before this is kind of what causes us to switch over to the um, Plano because it's kind of sealed. It's supposed to be waterproof, watertight, so it presses against each chamber very well. But uh, it, I did drop another one, but fortunately it only broke open partially, and just a few pins came out, which I just threw away. But yeah, it could have been bad too. That was in a uh, it was in a police station, so that wasn't fun. <laughs> that's when you uh, break out the brass magnet to start picking them up mm-hmm. the guy said are you okay I said yeah but uh, that could have been very costly I had somebody ask me on a job one time because uh, I had the kit on the cart and they were kind of watching me and, and he said uh, what happens if that thing gets knocked over I said well it depends I said if you knock it over I'm going to hit you and then I'm going to start crying and walk off the job. So if I knock it over, then I'm just going to start crying and walk off the job. 
Well, Jeff, uh, sounds like your day's coming because what, what I always heard the saying was, you're not a locksmith until you spill a pin kit. Well, whatever. <laughs> Y'all can see the look on Tim's face right now. You think he's getting ready to knock over someone's pin kit. Something related to that's coming up next. Now that we've got the required listening out of the way, let's get to the electives. All right, first random question. Ketchup or mustard? Tyler. Mustard. Jeff? Mustard. I like ketchup. All right, baseball or football? Jeff? Baseball. Tyler? Oh, God, those are my two favorite. Well, hockey. That wasn't a choice. You didn't pass. Uh, All right. Baseball. Baseball, because the Braves are doing so good right now. (laughs) The Falcons suck. Baseball any day for me. All right, and lastly, frozen yogurt or ice cream? Tyler. Ice cream. Yogurt's bacteria. Jeff. Ice cream. I go with ice cream as well. I've had a lot of fun recording these random questions, but this, sadly, will be the next to last one. In season two of The Three Tumblers, we are taking a completely different approach and offering it in a brand new format. Our next episode will not only be live, but it will be our last episode to feature random questions. Now, Jeff, take us to spare parts. Pins can and will fall in your shoes at work. Don't tell me they won't, and if it hasn't happened to you yet, it must have started last week. There are plenty of other parts that you can track home. So, last week or so, some uh, didn't get a picture, but a guy brought in a 1948 Hudson to get uh, copies of the keys made for it. That was really cool. That was pretty cool. We've had something like that. Can we? Tyler, spare part. Somebody brought in a, uh, a Sergeant 7 pin to get rekeyed this week. It's been a while since I've seen one of those. How about that for a spare That's, part? That is cool. Uh, let's see. This week, we've been just been really, really busy. Like, all week. And it's been nonstop. I've been pretty much the only one on the road all week. So, it's just uh, been exhausting. I'm hoping it'll slow down a little bit, but it doesn't look like it this coming week. And I'm getting ready to go hang out by the lake this evening. So, there you go. I just thought of something, too. You know, we're doing these big building rekeys right now. I saw something I've never seen before. The building has four stairwells per, you know, four sides of the building. Stairwells on each side of the building. But they alternate. So between floors, you may only have two of them used. Well, you only have two of them used. And then you go to the next floor, the other two are used. And then you go back, it's another two of the floors, blah, 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 all the way down. Which is kind of smart from a life safety standpoint in that you don't have people going into the stairwells every floor potentially disrupting things. It's every other floor, which I thought was pretty damn brilliant. That's, that's wild. I've never seen yeah. that before. Yeah, I mean, this is a massive building, though, so I don't know. Is that part of stairway re-entry in the fire code? I've, I've only ever seen it. It's it's every floor. But then again, these are four stairwells or four stairways throughout the building. Uh, maybe they only required to have two. I don't know. It's easy. It, it was pretty cool, though. All right. As always, if you have any hate mail or love letters for us, write them on a watermelon and email it to the3tumblerspod at gmail.com or tag us on Twitter at the number three tumblerspod or on Instagram, 3 Podcast. 
The executive producer is Tyler J. Thomas. The technical producer is the lovely Jeff Moss, and I am the writer and editor, Tim Coleman. Our sensitive language advisor is Holly Schmidt. Our shop foreman is Luke Busy, and our ophthalmologist is C.F. Icare. Our chief legal counsel is Hugh Lewis Dewey of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, otherwise known to bums under the Cleveland script sign as Huey Louie Dewey. Steubenville, Ohio. Fuck, it's hot. Hot as balls. This has been a Three Tumblers production. Season 1, copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Find this episode and others wherever you get your podcasts. I don't. I don't ever have one. Uh, fuck, it's hot. It's my spare part. That's not a spare part. That's your three. <laughs> okay, so I'll use that. Uh, I fuck. I don't know. It's miserably hot. Here's four. Or that's three too. We're not doing the three. This is your spare. The three words is I, at the I, end. I know, but I don't have a spare part. The heat's got me all sorts of fucks in the head right now. Uh, this is hot by my standard and I love it when uh. it's 90.